0: Okay, so we're back in uh, Revelation. We've been walking through the, the seven letters to the seven churches in Asia Minor, uh, and we're on letter number seven, uh, the church in Laodicea. So, Revelation chapter 3, 14 through 22. Uh, you can follow along on the screen behind me if you've got it with you, or it's on the screen in front of you uh, before we read, let's pray together. Again, God, we're we're grateful for this time where we can open Your Word, and uh, and we we come to your your book, uh, the Bible, the Scriptures. We we come with a sense of anticipation because because we expect Spirit that you will that you will do whatever it is that you do, however it is that you do it. We don't we don't fully understand how it happens, but Somehow in the middle of all of this, you speak and your voice is heard, and we know that your voice is transformative, it's, it's generative, it creates things, it makes things new, and so, so we expect for that to happen again, and we ask, oh God, that that our hearts would be opened as well as our minds so that we can hear and and understand whatever it is that you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Revelation 3, starting in verse 14, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the amen. Amen. It's another way of saying yes. So let it be. These are the words of the great yes, referring to Jesus. Jesus is the great. Yes, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds; that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot nor cold, hot, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich; I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that that you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We'll go that far. So here we are again at the beginning, verse 14. It says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, and we've been stopping. Normally, we stop here uh, because we have another city. We have another location uh, within the cities of Asia Minor. This time, it's Laodicea. And normally, we would stop and we would ask ourselves some questions. Is there anything about the city of Laodicea? the, The story surrounding the culture of Laodicea that might help us understand this letter as we make our way through it. Uh, is there anything that we can we can learn about the city of Laodicea that might help give this letter some sizzle or make it pop a little more? But before we do that, we will get there. But before we do that, I want to read just a little bit more and make a comment. Okay. So first, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor nor hot. See, the first time it says cold, then hot. And the second time it says hot, then cold. And I don't know why, the, I don't know why John wrote the letter that way because it's confusing me right now. I know your deeds. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold... I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. So now, before we get into the story of Laodicea, I think I need to talk a little bit about hot and cold and lukewarm. So we have some temperature metaphors here, right? And of course, we do what we always do when we come to, when we come to the Scriptures, uh, we have our own understanding, our own cultural realities that we sort of bring to the text and so that when we read it, we sort of look through look through the glasses that we wear. We have our own understandings of what hot and cold and lukewarm mean, and so we, we sort of bring that to the to the letter and we start thinking that way because it's just natural, it's what we do, right? And so, generally speaking, in our world, Hot is, is understood to be a good thing, just by the way we talk, by we, the way we use that word, and cold is sort of meant to be a bad thing, a, a not so good thing. For instance, if someone were to say, oh look, that person over there is so hot, we understand that to be a good thing, right? Like that person is, is a good-looking person. Pleasing to the eye, we might say. Oh, that person is so hot, right? We understand that to be a good thing. On the other hand, we, we understand cold to be not so good. Oh, that person is so cold. Or he is so cold-hearted. Like we understand that to be a, a bad thing. Or let's say we're watching basketball together, Right, And we're watching, uh, we're watching the Cyclone women play and Ashley Jones is just making everything. And we would say, oh, she's on fire. She's, she's hot right now. What do we mean by that? That's really good. She's making everything. Or if we're watching the Cyclone men and Isaiah Brockington is not making anything, right? We would say, oh, he's gone completely cold, we understand that to be a very bad thing, or, or sometimes you'll hear people say something like this, oh my gosh, I am so spiritually on fire right now. Like, we understand that to be a really good thing. Like they feel super connected with God, and they're they're lear- they're like on a whole different level spiritually. I am so spiritually on fire right now. I'm so connected with God. I'm learning all sorts of really new things, and my life is being transformed. And everything is so much better uh, because of it. Right. So hot is generally understood to be good, and cold is generally understood to be well, not so good. So. Some people, maybe you've heard this passage sort of interpreted this way, because we bring our own cultural understanding of hot and cold to the Scriptures. So some people have understood Jesus to be saying this, I wish you were on fire for me. I really wish you were on fire for me. But if you're not on fire, if you're not going to be really committed and passionate, I would rather you be totally opposed to me. I would rather you be cold to me than lukewarm. I would rather have you totally reject me than just sort of go through the motions. This lukewarm stuff, this in-between stuff, eh, I don't really like that. I would rather you be cold for me. So this is sort of like what we might think of as a, as a light switch kind of a faith. Right? So this is sort of presented to us like this. Hot, we're on fire for Jesus, or cold, totally rejecting. Let's not have this. It's like you're either spiritually on or you're spiritually off. You're, you're either for Jesus or you're against Jesus. And this has sort of an effect on us. It means that, that when we're in the sort of in-between time, what we might think of as the lukewarm time, we wind up feeling really guilty. We feel really guilty because we're just, we're just not on fire Right? And we do, and then we wind up doing things to sort of try to manufacture. We want to manufacture that on-fire feeling. And so we get on these kicks where we're like, okay, I'm going to do what I've been told to do. I'm going to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to sit at the kitchen table. I'm going to have that magical cup of coffee when everybody else is asleep. And I'm going to open my Bible, and I'm going to read it, and I'm just going to really connect with God. And we, we get on this kick for like a week. And then it doesn't work. And we don 't feel spiritually on fire, and then we wind up feeling guilty again, so it 's like guilt upon guilt because we have this light switch understanding of faith we 're either on or we 're off, and we don't but most of the time we all walk around like we 're kind of in the middle don 't we, and then we wind up feeling guilty because of it and i don 't think Jesus is interesting in guilt is interested in guilting people into relationship with him, so maybe. That's not really what this passage is all about. Maybe this letter isn't about spiritual feelings. Maybe that's not what this is about. Maybe it's about something else entirely, right? So let's understand a little bit about the city of Laodicea, and maybe we can understand more about what this passage really is about. First, there was a city located about six miles north of Laodicea called Hierapolis. It was a city, get this, known for its natural hot springs. Imagine that. So, hot springs of water. So, people would come from all over the place to bathe in these hot springs because it had this sort of therapeutic healing properties to it. So, we have this water that is very hot and it is valuable and useful, get this. Another city about 11 miles east or southeast of Laodicea named Colossa, they they were known for, guess what? Their natural cold springs. So you had another very rare and valuable and useful commodity, really cold water. Imagine on a hot day, Like you're sweating, you've been working in the yard, and there's no place, you can't just turn on the tap because back then they didn't have cold water tap, they didn't have a refrigerator, they didn't have ice cubes. But imagine back then on a really cold day, a nice drink of really cold water. Imagine the comfort that would give you. Imagine the joy that would bring to you. So we have another very valuable thing. Now, Laodicea was different because guess what? It didn't have a natural water source, which means that it had to get its water from somewhere else. And the easiest place to get its water from was Hierapolis because it was at a at a slightly higher elevation level. So it was easy to transport the water because gravity, right? So they created this huge limestone aqueduct, formed kind of a, a pipeline from Hierapolis. And the water from the higher elevation would transport down to the lower elevation in Laodicea because gravity. So by the time it traveled from the six miles from the north all the way down there, the naturally hot water from the hot springs would begin to cool down. And by the time it got to Laodicea, it would be lukewarm. You guys are so smart. And on the way it would get these sort of limestone deposits in it. So, when it. so when it arrived in Laodicea, get this, it was lukewarm and contaminated and virtually useless. They would have to purify it again before they could use it, before they could drink it, before they consume it. But they did have one use for it. They had one use for the lukewarm contaminated water. There was a large medical center in Laodicea. And when doctors needed someone to empty the contents of their stomach because sometimes that needs to happen, guess what they would give them? The lukewarm contaminated water would induce vomiting. Right? It would make them hurl. So I'm not going to pretend. So, and in this letter, Jesus says you're lukewarm. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth because I, I, I really don't want to hurl. So the people in Laodicea, they would have understood exactly what Jesus was saying in this letter. They would, they would have understood this metaphor. is isn't about being, one thing being good and the other thing being bad. This is about two really good things. This is about water with healing properties and cold water bringing comfort and joy. Two really good things versus a thing that we didn't want. Lukewarm, contaminated water. So this is about two very useful things versus one thing that is virtually useless. So Jesus is saying, I want you to be either hot or cold. I don't care which one. Be, be like the hot springs with, which have these, these healing, therapeutic properties. Or, or be like the cold springs with bring, which bring comfort and joy. Don't be lukewarm. Don't be useless. So this isn't a metaphor about our feelings, being on fire for God or not. This isn't about spiritual feelings at all. Jesus says, He also connects it to our deeds. He says, I know your deeds. He's not saying, I know how you feel. You feel spiritually on fire for me. He's like, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I know your deeds. So suddenly, this metaphor has a different kind of meaning. Suddenly, this metaphor has, this letter has some sizzle. It has some pop. So this metaphor is about our impact in the world. This is an invitation to have an impact. This is an invitation to... Have a contribution, to make a contribution, much like all of the other letters. This is another invitation to partner with God in what God is doing in the world. It's a theme that gets repeated in every single letter. And here we are again. And so, for us as a church, this is an invitation for us once again to constantly be looking outside of ourselves to see where we as a community can have an actual real impact in the world making a real difference in the lives of real people. We have to be intentional about it. It has to be something that is on the forefront of our minds all the time. Because if we don't, we will become concerned with only ourselves and what happens on the inside of these walls. And when churches become ingrown, when churches aren't looking for ways to have a real impact in the world, all sorts of funny things begin to happen when churches become ingrown and they aren't looking for places to have an impact the environment becomes lukewarm and it becomes toxic and oftentimes churches will fight about the dumbest things the silliest things and i know this from firsthand experience churches will fight about the color of carpet Churches will will fight about whether or not we should paint the walls. Churches will fight about whether or not uh, the right color is painted on the walls. Churches will fight about how loud the music is. Churches will fight about what kind of music is played in church. And you know what that is? That's just lukewarm, contaminated water. That's all that is. And when people on the outside look at churches and see that sort of thing, they instantly know it's lukewarm. They don't have to be told... They instantly know that it's a lukewarm, sort of toxic, contaminated environment. They just know. So Jesus says, don't do that. Just be hot or cold. Look for places in this world where you can have an actual impact. All that other stuff is just meaningless. Look for broken places and bring healing. Jesus says to the church, find a place where you can bring cold water, where you can bring joy we've done this a, a couple of times already we've we've partnered with the, the Ames pet food pantry did any of you know that that was actual a thing that that was actually a thing a pet food pantry i didn't know that was a thing until we were asked to be a part of this thing like this is an actual need and it's a partnership with this organization called bailing out benji so we've done this two times all you do is you show up, and it's like a pet food drive-thru. Like, people actually need food to feed their pets. It is a real need. And people will drive up, and you go to the window, and you ask them, how many pets do you have? And it's amazing. They'll tell you how many pets they have. They'll tell you, I've got four kitties and two dogs. They'll get, we ask about dietary restrictions and food allergies. And then we go grab the food and we bring it to the car and we give it to them. And I kid you not, it's like a birthday present. Like the joy on their faces is just fantastic. It's like a birthday on a regular day of the year. It's like no one's birthday, but you get the same feeling. You know, how, you know the feeling you get when you give somebody a gift and it's a birthday gift and they open it and you're like, oh, and everybody's all happy and joyous. That's the feeling you get. That's the kind of thing that Jesus is talking about. Do small... It doesn't have to be big things. It can be small things. You're bringing comfort and joy to the lives of real people. So what about us as individuals? Be hot or cold. Be useful. Have an impact. Don't be lukewarm. Don't don't just be a person who comes to church Be the church. Find a place within the church to serve, to have an impact. Again, it doesn't have to be big. It can be small. Like, come 15 minutes early and be one of those people who just stands around and looks at the door and waits for other people to come in and go up to them and say, hi, welcome. And if you don't know them, introduce yourself. Right? Really easy way to have a very big impact. So during COVID, we weren't meeting So we didn't have nursery, because we were doing online stuff. And then when we got together, uh, we weren't doing nursery, because everyone at the time was saying, it's not safe to do nursery. And so now we're at the point where it's like, okay, we kind of need nursery again. But you know what nursery takes? Nursery takes volunteers. So in the next month or so, we're going to begin to have nursery again, and it takes an entire church full of people willing to volunteer to have nursery in order to make a very big difference so consider when nursery gets going again if we each take a time we serve less in nursery and it's one of the easiest ways to have some of the biggest impact in a church or how about this we just had a a game night it was really fun it was a community event where it was really easy to sort of put together and we had, we had a really good time together playing games. Well, we want to do more things like that. So if you're interested in planning things like game night or other community events where we can foster deep relationships with one another, if you're interested in planning that sort of thing, uh, talk to me. I'd love to talk to you more about what that might look like in the fall. Renew Kids Club is going to start on Wednesday, Ignite and Impact, our two youth groups will begin again. We always need people to volunteer, to help, to come alongside of our kiddos and and foster a space where they can learn to live and love like Jesus. If you're looking for a place to serve, I would love to help you connect with wherever it is. You can come early and make coffee, put donuts out, bring stuff so that people can have something to eat on a Sunday morning, it's really easy to get connected, to have an impact. Or what about this? Have you ever had that thought, I should really send that person a text? I should write them a note. I should give them a call because they need a little bit of encouragement, and I know that. Have you ever had that thought, and then you just don't do it? Just do it. Just, it's the Spirit speaking to you. Don't let it lie. Do it. Just get after it. Don't be lukewarm. Have an impact. Be intentional about it. Okay, next. A little bit more about Laodicea. It was one of the richest cities in the region. A lot of these cities that we've been talking about are wealthy, region, wealthy cities. But this city in particular, when it was destroyed by an earthquake was approached by the roman empire and said we'd like to help you rebuild your city do you know what the city of laodicea said no thank you who turns down money for real who turns it down they said no no thank you we're wealthy nope and so they rebuilt their city all on their own and made it better than it was before all with their own resources So Laodicea had a lot. They felt good about having a lot. They also had a large medical center and they were known for their eye salve. Like it was this cream that you put on your eyes and it would cure all sorts of eye problems, right? Vision problems. And last, they were also an exporter of certain kinds of very rare and expensive clothing. So you've got got rich, you've got eyes, you've got clothing. Listen to Jesus. You say I am rich, I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you can truly be rich, and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. And so the prevailing attitude in Laodicea was, we're self-sufficient, we're self-reliant, we can do everything we need in order to be fulfilled. We don't need anything. And Jesus says, you think you're rich, but you are actually poor. None of those finite things will ever be enough to fulfill you. You need to connect with the ultimate. Connect with Me. So he's speaking about this human inclination to be self-sufficient, self-reliant in order to fulfill ourselves. And we do this all the time. We're always looking for fulfillment. We're always searching for something, that next thing. And we search for and look for these things that we'll, we think will fulfill our lives, will fill our lives in all sorts of different places. We think that if we just have the, the, the perfect job Oh, and make life so much better. If we have the, the perfect spouse and the perfect marriage, it will just make things, oh, life will be absolutely amazing. If we just had kids, then life will be awesome. If we just have more wealth, if we just have more money, it will make all of our problems go away. But we know somewhere deep down inside of us, we know that these things don't really do that. Like, we make these finite things ultimate things. And we think they're going to solve all of, our, all of our problems, but they never do. They never do. So think about that thing that you want most right now. Like, we always have that next thing. What's your next thing? A thing you want most right now. That, that thing you think, well, this is going to make life that much better oh, life is going to be so much better. It could be a job, marriage, kids, whatever, stuff. Then go find someone who has that and ask them if it solved all their problems. Ask them if having that thing totally fills them up. They feel totally complete. Ask them if the perfect job solves all their problems. Ask them if their their beautiful, perfect marriage has has taken care of all of their loneliness. Like these are all really good things. These are all things that are, 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 are meant to be enjoyed. But Jesus says these things are finite things. They won't ever, they won't ever fill you up. And Jesus says this, here I am. I stand at the door, and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in, and I will eat with them. They will eat with me. You will be filled with me. Here I am. When you're lonely, I'm with you. When you have problems, I'll be with you. I'll be with you in those places i'll walk with you through them i will give you strength i will give you comfort i will give you what you need because i am the one who can sustain i am the one who can fulfill you oh jesus says i am with you i'll never leave you let's pray